Hi, and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists who are committed to planetary purpose, or in other words, holistic visions for the planet. My name is Julian Guderlei, and in today's episode, I'm hosting an interview with Yelena Filipchuk from Hibikoso, the hyperspace bypass construction zone. It's a series of large-scale installations and artworks that investigate geometric exploration through light, shadow, and perception. The project is inspired by the intersection of math, science, technology, material, and light. Hibikoso consists of Yelena Filipchuk and also Serge Bouliot, plus an assortment of experts, fabricators, handlers, installers, and a powerful community. They create and fabricate and install artwork literally throughout the world. Their studio is in Oakland in California. They have current permanent public artworks, well, in Oakland, in San Francisco, in Dubai, in Istanbul. Uh, they've been featured in Salted Burning Man several times. This year, actually, the, the literal Burning Man. And they recently co-created um, a space called Zero Space in New York. And so I'm really excited to have you on the show, Yelena. Uh, welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I want to I talk about art, math, uh, education. I think those are going to be some topics that will show up. And I want to I start first with like, you know, like the classic question, quotation marks here. Like, how did, how did art find you? Like, what happened in your life? What did you have to go through that you realized, you know what, F all this, I'm going to just, I'm just going to express who I am all the way. Yeah. So I had like a very interesting kind of circuitous path to getting to be an artist. And it was kind of like F all this, but also it was like, yes to all this also. Um, so I have um, a background in both international development and environmental science. And um, I was really focusing on, you know, trying to basically save the environment and focusing on climate change and food policy. Um, and then I was kind of getting into the sci like the more science aspects of, of, um, of like cell biology and, um, and growing food and also mycology, which was the study of mushrooms. And I was the person in college who would be in a cell biology class and looking through the microscope and just freaking out about like just looking at the like basic building blocks of life and the beauty that you could see so easily with a microscope and and then everyone around me in the in this class was like yeah it's you know a cell um and i was just blown away by the aesthetics of of biology and the aesthetics and the patterns that were um that came out in both the structures of plants and then also like the mic like the um on the micro scale of like looking at the structures within cells and seeing the similarities that you know scaled up between the basic building blocks of life and like dna and amino acids and then seeing how they scale up to forming like the structures of plants and like the the way that plants get strength and like um lignin and trees and kitten in um in mushrooms and i was just really blown away by how um how we can learn so much from the natural world and so then i became really interested in biomimicry and how to build um and engineer things based on the things that we can learn and pull from nature and so i was began to be really interested in the aesthetics of biomimicry and how um we can show and kind of demonstrate these really beautiful aspects of nature through structure and design. Um, and that's, you know, that was kind of my main focus as I was, as I was leaving university and then just became um, really passionate about wanting to 
demonstrate that through artwork, basically. Um, and then um, my partner in Hibikozo, Serge Beaulieu, he has a background in industrial design and engineering. And so with kind of our, our interests in both design and engineering, and then this topic of kind of the structure of the universe, um, we decided to collaborate on a project that was first um, you know, for, for Burning Man. Um, and it just, it had like a really resonant impact. You know, we got a lot of interest from doing this installation and basically both of us were like, I think, I think this is something that we, we could, something. yeah, we could, we could do this. And so, um, there was a couple of things that kind of pointed us in that direction too. There was a Ted talk that both of us listened to, um, called incredibly simple explanation for everything. Um, and it's by a theoretical physicist named Garrett Lisi. And uh, it's um, basically uh, an algebraic explanation for particle physics. So it predicts where the next oh, wow. particles will be found. Um, and it, you know, it takes place in many, many dimensions, right? So it's not like something that is necessarily super easy for like a layperson to understand. But what he did is he had these diagrams in the TED talk um, that, um, that were really beautiful. And it it felt like we had like stumbled upon like a truism in the world of that, of course, the structure of the universe would appear beautiful to us because that's what we're made out of. And um, and so we like pursued him on Twitter and we're like, we have to meet you. We have to hang oh, out with nice. you. And he kind of ignored us for a little bit. <laughs> you know? And then he was visiting San Francisco and we had, um, we had some artwork up at the um, uh, the Palace of Fine Arts, and he like ran into it, and then sent us a photo with one of our sculptures. And oh wow, yeah, the, the universe like collided you backward then. Yeah, 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 exactly. And we're like, so we got to meet him and talk with him, and that was like a really, really interesting, just kind of melding of like you know, having an art and science kind of conversation. And it was just, it was just the perfect thing. And I was like, if I can just continue to do this, like I know that I have found the right thing to pursue basically. Really cool. I, I, I like this um, kind of detour. And then the way that like literally life itself collided you um, with, with a person that would help you kind of literally put the molecules together. But, but what stood out to me right away in the beginning already was when you looked through those first microscopes and you realized this like insane beauty of like life perceiving life, right? Like mm -hmm. literally an invitation to biomimicry in a larger scale almost, right? And, and like, like the most normal response from most people is like, yeah, sure, it's a cell. Yeah. <laughs> There's something about this sarcasm in our current society that that's, that's like, it feels like ignorance to the beauty of life, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And just the most like mundane things of, you know, like eating and digestion and how that like gives your body energy. Something that I learned recently is that um, your mitochondria are producing energy on the level of a lightning bolt, but just in tiny minuscule like instances. Cool. And like that's, that's how energetic our, like the human body is. It, it it's like it's a it's a, a a physical force like on on a very high scale we just we just don't compare ourselves to a lightning bolt even though we are or literally every cell in our body is producing the level literally, of energy. every cell in our body is like 1.5 or 2 volt or something and so if yeah. you have like 
a few trillion of those cells. Like we're, we're a whole bunch of electromagnetic current. And I like to nerd out about that myself too, because it's not even important to me personally, like the exact number of volts or cells. It's just this understanding or imagination that we're so much more than this physical shell, right? And how that actually doesn't have us spin off into the cosmos necessarily, but it actually informs the life and the society and the structures and the systems we build uh, in a very grounded way. And that's kind of what, I, what inspired me to have you on the show today, because I feel like, um, and, and tell me how, that, how, how you perceive that, what, what's going on in your mind now and in your heart space that, you know, you, you came from environmentalism and you're wanting to change the world and make an impact. And now you're actually doing all that through the art that people are perceiving. And so therefore you're changing other people's perception and mind and understanding of space. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, one of my favorite quotes is like, we are the universe observing itself. And I think that when we are able to create things that are kind of resonant with the structures of the universe, like it causes people to pay attention to it for a second. And that, that takes them out of their, you know, like built environment or things that are, um, you know, may seem so important to people at the time, but um, are, are not as fundamental as some of these things that um, we can bring our attention to. And it's kind of like a um, but like a living meditation is kind of how I pursue or I perceive our our artwork is that it, you know, if you can um, show a person something that is, um, you know, on the level of like replicating kind of the structures between cells or Voronoi diagrams and like the way that we like organize our thought processes, things like that, um, you can have people kind of have this meta level thinking about like what is really going on in, in themselves and their own bodies. And then just, you know, have that moment where they step outside of, you know, their day-to-day -day life and are just able to have that wonder and curiosity. And I think that is so important to the human psyche. I think it's like maybe a reason why, you know, people are like depressed or like feeling disconnected from each other is because they, we, that, that's something that's so easy for people to connect with each other and with, within themselves too. Yeah, I like that. And I like the direction about like the current state of the world and the, the mental and emotional state of the world too. Like, so if we, you know, if we look at um, these lists of the most live worthy cities, right? Like Vienna, Vancouver, what, mm -hmm. Copenhagen, whatever they are, like usually they're really well connected into nature or like pedestrian walking experiences and and all these things that just get us in touch with actual life. And the cities that aren't as live worthy are usually cities that are just, you live in a box, you go to work in a box and you literally have to hop into a, a taxi or a subway, which is basically also a box. Like what's your, what's your take on that? Like the, especially when we kind of put that into context with like the future of cities and the future of our environments and how, you know, what's good for the human, the human soul. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, well, a big reason why we do geometric artwork is because we want people to actually look at angles that are not 90 degrees. Like one of my favorite quotes is, um, there's 359 degrees other than 90, and we should use all of them. Zaha Hadid said that. And um, I, I really think that looking and like interacting with geometric spaces or geometric artwork can help you think outside of the box. 
um, I think it literally helps you kind of imagine a different a different world and a different future. Um, in terms of like city design, you know, I, I do understand that like dense cities are more sustainable, right? Um, so I, I actually get a lot of energy from cities, but I definitely need the contrast of being in touch with nature and being able to um, to connect um, with it and take a deep breath of clean air, right? I think that that is really important too. Um, but I really want us to go back to the design of like public squares and plazas and places where people can go and hang out, places where people can go to be together, and also places where people can go to be alone, but around a lot, around other people too. I think that that is something that we don't emphasize enough that people do need time to be alone, but it's it can be very depressing if you go and you are alone in your own little box apartment, right? I think that if we create opportunities where it's okay for people to like just exist in the world and there's not as much um, kind of like uh, self-consciousness about that of just like it's okay to just go outside or it's okay to do an activity by yourself. I think that that's really important too. Like it's okay to go and just sketch in a museum by yourself or go go do a painting of a sunset and you know that type of leisure time on your own where you're connecting to yourself and your creativity is really important too. Yeah, very interesting. Let me ask um, uh, another question which has to do with the education system at large. Like I like to ask this question often, like if you could single-handedly or with your crew of people change the education system or different parts of the education system, what would you do and why would you do it and how would you do it? Yeah, so that's definitely something that I want to pursue with the artwork that we do. And we're um, in the process of starting a nonprofit to create um, math and uh, creative based educational resources for people in public spaces. So you could go to a sculpture and both learn kind of like the creativity that went into um, into the production of it and the like the inspiration and the story behind it and the historical context of how it got into that city but also then learn about the design and engineering behind it um so that you both understand like the the story of how it got there and then also like the um practical details of how you can remake the world in a more creative way and i think that that's really important because we need to understand that people um, are diverse learners that there's no one yeah, fit. yeah there's no one fit for how you understand the world right and i think that it's sad because so many students are you know put into an educational system where they're just tested in one way and that can make some people feel really successful and other people feel not successful at all and that's unfortunate because there's different ways that people have con to connect to the same the same piece of information and some people will just respond more to the story of it some people will respond to the historical context of it some people will respond to the i want to recreate this and recolor it in my own way um and some people re will respond really well to the math behind it um and then there's also been um a change in the way that we study math because a lot of math actually can be understood you know visually and in ratios and then, then there was a like I think it's called the numerization of math, where like it then just existed in just um, 
strings of numbers and for people who are like dyslexic and stuff like that it's it's hard to understand like an irrational number that goes on forever but it's much easier to understand just like the ratio between in the a proportion between two different numbers right i really like what you're saying there that would have helped me so much like in school but then also in the transition how to bring this into life because for yeah. me like you know I, I was able to wrap my head around it in the like classic school system i went through but but this context to reality and then to shape and objects in the space it, it never fully made sense to me on paper in like this 2d modeling kind of way and probably still it might not have been like my absolute forte but i i just like even you saying that like opens my heart because i feel like that's what i've always wondered as a child in school is like so why are we doing all this like how does this relate to this physical space i walk through yeah absolutely i think that i would have responded much better to all of that to math basically as i was growing up if it was done visually um rather than it just being just strings of numbers on a page that don't have very much context and i think that that actually is how like other cultures do learn math too and i think that particularly in the united states um uh the the focus is very much like one answer is correct right and that's not always the case also when you're doing engineering right because things can be engineered in different ways and you should understand you know the benefits and the um you know, kind of like contrasting reasons why why things are des designed in different ways. Totally. I have another question for you uh, in regards to purpose. And um, maybe you can give us like a definition of what purpose means to you after you've, you know, like, as we said earlier, like art kind of found you and, and like it, it found its way to express through you in this way that, that, that grew your wings, I feel like, from, from where I see, see you at this point, you know? Yeah, I think that for me, I was always interested in creation and I was really interested in doing something and then feeling like I had brought something like into the world and um, that's hard to do living in like a digital age sometimes because everything can either feel like an ongoing project or you never really get like a tangible effect to something. And so um, something that happened was that I, um, I joined this thing called Tech Shop. Um, I don't know if they have it, you know, in, in Vancouver, but it's like, a, it was just, a, it was just a, a kind of a workspace with classes that, you know, and that cool. you, could, yeah, you could take um, like 3D printing classes and you could take like laser cutting classes. And it this was in, um 2013 uh, and so it was like just right when all of these things were becoming available to consumers um or just like late you know average hobby people and um that was just such a blessing because it all of a sudden brought this tangible stuff into my life where i could create something and that was something i felt like i was really lacking in my life of just not having a material or tangible result to what i was doing and um I just feel really grateful for that because I was able to kind of connect my purpose with something that I could produce. Um, and that was, that was a, a real change for me because I think that I was always kind of focused on digital stuff and being in the Bay area, there's so much like tech and Silicon Valley and, you know, learning programming and stuff like that. And it just never really, it never really satisfied me in the same way as, 
really creating something with my hands. And I think that that, um, as kids grow up, right, I think we're probably going to, you know, be pushing them more into the direction of, um, you know, digital life. And we have found that, you know, that probably isn't that great for their mental health, right? And so I think that, um, I think for me, I really found um, a connection to my purpose through my hands, like through actually creating something and seeing something produced. And I think that it's going to be really funny if we like reach like a cataclysmic like resource in, um, you know, in point where everything is going to be done in virtual reality and people are going to be like you actually used to make sculptures out of metal like what a precious resource right like can you imagine a future like that and so that's like a a, a really important reason why i think that we have to keep production of goods sustainable so that everyone can do that you, you know that everyone has the opportunity to work with the earth's resources um, otherwise, we're all just going to be doing little, making little Minecraft creatures in VR, and like some people won't be happy with that. And ultimately, it's probably a little too far from like what we've evolved as humans to do. That you know, our our minds won't kind of be able to keep up with it. Yeah, it's that's an interesting um, direction you, you took. This I feel like that wouldn't necessarily be the future I personally would choose if, if I was the one to, to choose. I feel like there is something about being an organic being on an organic planet. Definitely like the cyberspace and the digital as well. And I think they have, you know, a coexistence personally. Um, I'm curious to like I, I kind of see how purpose and you being able to shape things with your hands really um, like lit up. Um, <laughs> there in your answer but like for people who are listening to this right now who are inspired by your work right who are like oh wow i mean i wish i could create something with my hands but i kind of i kind of don't um and i mean i guess that comes in, in cycles and phases sometimes that might take a few years and then suddenly surprisingly you're actually creating something with your hands as well but what would you what would be like your yeah your nudge not even advice but your nudge towards this idea of purpose like what did you have to do or what did you follow on your inside that this clarity happened that this like, I'm going to just build this, this thing with surge and we'll, we'll do it at Burning Man and we'll see what happens. And then you were just like, wow, I'm actually realizing this is me. Yeah. I think that the most important part of that was uh, two things. Like one is like notice what you're interested in like notice what you're spending your spare time like reading about or and i i for me i was just like wow all all i wanted to do was kind of go deeper into learning about something that i didn't know anything about right is that it it felt like it was drawing me and so i was just able to like take a step outside of myself and observe myself being interested in something and to just not be afraid to pursue it um, uh, my friend who's an artist named Sean Newport, he, he once gave me this advice of like, you have to be okay with how simple it is. Like you, you, at, at a, at a basic point, like I make shapes, you know, yeah. like, like, and that, and that's okay. I, I do patterns, you know, and that, and not needing to be overly complicated about what your purpose is, I think is a real beautiful aspect to it. Um, that you're, yeah, that you can be okay with, with 
just creating something for no purpose at all is something that can actually give you a lot of purpose in your life is that you're just doing it for the sake of doing it and like you know everyone says like the process is more important than the than the resolution or the product right and just focusing on whether you're enjoying the process and learning about the process um uh, to me was a really good indicator that i was on the right path um and then the second thing is that and we totally stumbled into this accidentally and like looking back on it it was so important that we did it with a community is that the first sculpture that we ever did um we just brought it to a to a party and we were like hey guys i know everyone is just like having a good time but do you know six of you want to come and like <laughs> Which off helping us figure out how to build it. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and and it created a community around our artwork, which really encouraged us to keep going. Um, because even the parts that were hard, um, mm -hmm. you know, people felt like they were there at the very beginning, and so they were invested in it. And that was a really beautiful part because we've had so much community support and we could not have done it without this amazing community of friends. And then also like the larger, like Bay Area, California, Burning Man, like worldwide geometric um, community to just be able to share it and then get like a, get responses and like resonance back from people has been extremely important. We just, we didn't realize how important it was, but I think when you make the process fun, you are going to create so much more because you're enjoying doing it you're doing it with your friends and people need activities, you know, like people need things to spend their time <laughs> on that isn't like in like this capitalist consumerist world right people want to create and you know build barns together like which is like what we were doing like 200 years ago right and that you know the whole community came out to your barn raising because that's like what people did um because that was also like the social function like you'd raise the barn and then you'd have a party basically and so like right. figure out how you in your community can raise a barn and then you will have a really positive like social impact basically and people will coalesce around it because people want and resonate with like the creation of something you wind up creating a lot more than just the thing that you're creating you're, you create a whole community yeah and it's apparent in your example right so you're just that distinction is gold i, I, lo I love so much about that i mean just just this, this understanding that it doesn't need to be big if you just focus on what the small thing you're actually doing is and do that that's yeah. massive like so many people out there um, including myself at different stages of my life i feel like when we hear the word purpose there's this notion of we need to save the earth and maybe that's true maybe that's wrong uh, but but when you're actually just making shapes you're effectively influencing so many people who who are kind of inspired to to connect over the earth yeah, that, that is, that's gold. Thank you so much for, for that distinction. I, I'd want to know a little bit more about your personal process there and, and like a follow-up question to this community piece you described. And it, it's, it's just more in your like personal experience. Like what is required for you to experience trust? To experience trust? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Um, there's so many levels to it of like, can you trust yourself? Um, can you trust yourself with like with yourself with your own happiness? Um, can you can you kind of take a leap of faith on yourself and say like I think that I'm I'll be fine. 
I, I'm enjoying this, so I think I should keep doing it. Um, and then trusting another person to work with, um, that has been an, a very interesting um, uh -huh. process to go through of like, you know, artists are crazy and they're manic, right? Of like having control over the final product. And, you know, I only have 50% control because I work with a partner on, on this, right? So how do you trust another person with your creative vision? Um, that's a really interesting question too. And then how do you, how do you decide where you want to put your artwork or what kind of projects that you want to work on? And how do you, how do you trust the, the outside world to receive it, you know, and like everyone gets, everyone gets like, you know, positive feedback and negative feedback. And so are you okay with, um, with some, you know, receiving negative feedback personally, let's, let's start at the top, right? Personally for me, yeah, um, uh, a fellow like Burning Man artist named Zach Coffin, um, we were creating a sculpture made out of this like iridescent acrylic um, for the first time. And, uh, you know, I respect his opinion. He has worked with like, you know, monumental artists um, on the East Coast. And he like came up to me and he was just like that acrylic stuff, it's, it's not working. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was like, you're, you are paying attention you are looking like thank you thank you you're actually paying attention to what we're doing that's amazing like i just didn't think that anyone was even looking right and to have like another artist really give us feedback was really really a really positive thing and then we were like go fuck yourself um, <laughs> we like it who cares yeah but you paid attention so we did yeah. get you if you liked it or not yeah 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 exactly like that that was a really cool thing and that made me want to participate more in that like critique um, sort of thing that is actually common in like design and architecture and in art school, right? Because it, it, it you do gain a lot from it. And we actually have like um, a Facebook group called Organic Geometers where there's like work that's shared, which is really cool. Um, and there's like a community of people who are interested in both like the 3D geometry polyhedra that we're doing. And then there's also a group of people in that, in that group that are also interested in the kind of like the pattern making and the cultural pattern making of it. Um, so like uh, uh, some people in it are like experts in Islamic geometry and like tessellation. Uh -huh. That's so, so many different levels of it. And like, I just love uh -huh. that, that community exists and you know, we found it online. And then we have a smaller group of people um, uh, like we have like an Instagram group where we like share kind of information and cool projects just just to like observe it right and to do it with like a, a peer group I think is really important so I think that just in terms of um, trusting other people like you it's it's so important to find people that you share common interests with and then like you know continue a conversation with them over time like some of these groups now are like four or five years old where we're um, you know sharing both information of how how things get built and then also like just talking about different projects and like there's just so much cool stuff happening in the world that you can't kind of like only only worry about your own artwork you know I think that it's really important to to um, to create a, a community of people um, that are interested in the same thing. Um, yeah, and, or yeah. worry, to jump in there, like, or worry at all. Like, I mean, worry happens, right? But as you just said, there's so much like cool stuff happening in the world, both in the art artist world, but as well as in the social impact world. Like, 
yeah. as we're uncovering more and more of these stories, how many human beings are engaged in amazingly yeah. like paradigm shifting activities. Mm-hmm. I believe a lot of the pessimism in the world will at least lighten up, you know? Yeah. Um, we just traveled to London to see um, the Oliver Eliasson exhibit that's at the Tate Modern. Um, and the, his, the, re- the retrospective of his work was so fascinating because it had some of his most famous pieces. And then, but the first room that you walked into was a model room. So it showed the process by which like he created and experimented and his whole studio created and experimented with, um, with all the different structures that went on to be his artwork. And it looks a little bit like, you know, like the thing that's behind me is just a bunch of stuff bunch of experiments and different materials and stuff like that. Um, and then, then the installation went on to some of his um, famous installation works. And then there was all of the contextualizing, um, all of the contextualization of his work into the environments that he is passionate about. So he has, um, uh, his father spent a long time in Iceland. And so a lot of his artwork is kind of from like the geysers and the glaciers that are coming up. And of course he was the artist who, um, you know, went out to um, the glaciers that are melting and he went and picked up the icebergs um, and then put them in front of the Paris uh, like climate summit, right? Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. those were glaciers. And as the climate summit was going on, they were melting over over the week, right? And that is just like, that is the most amazing, I think kind of, art intervention into climate change that I have seen, right? And I um, am so inspired by that because it is not just, it is not just like instructive or educational or um, like pessimistic, but it's it's visceral. Like you, you see it happening in front of your very eyes. And I think that that's the beauty of art is that it can take like an abstract thing or something that's happening really far away and put it right in front of you um, and and people would, you know, they showed videos of people like going up and touching them and like they knew it would be cold, but feeling it be cold is a whole different sensation, right? And I thought that project was just one of the most amazing ways of, um, of um, you know, bringing a different emotion to climate change that isn't just, you know, doom and gloom, basically. Yeah, and, and like a, an, an embodied perspective change. I feel like that's what I like about art or interactive art always personally is this you might know that once you touch that like ice it's going to be cold but the moment you touch it your body never forgets yeah and before it was just an intellectual concept of the past and the memory and and so art has an interesting way of like getting us to ponder pulling us into the present moment and also Mm -hmm. to let go of of our perspective this has already been a really fascinating conversation for me. Uh, I have another question, uh, especially tailored around all the young artists or future artists to be who are tuned into this conversation. And uh, maybe we'll hop timelines in your own life. So if you today were to understand one, two, maybe three things, let's say three things, okay? Um, three things in your life where you would say, oh boy, I wish I knew this like 15 years ago. Um, what would you tell your younger self that you've experienced now through trial and error or through, through whatever else it was? Yeah, I think um, first thing I'd probably say, and like, this is, I think, so applicable to like teenagers and stuff is that like, like it's okay and it gets better, 
you know, is that I think it's so hard for people to find their place in the world or feel like they're out of place in the world. And as you get older, you kind of understand that that's a strength. You, you, you get more confident in who you are and you also understand that your unique perspective and like your, um, the fact that you don't exactly fit in is actually one of the best parts about life is because then you get to find a hundred people that you do fit in with eventually and like you'll feel so at home and you'll feel so happy in that community i'm not sure if that goes just for teenagers (laughs) wow yeah yeah. like that's that's a really big one yeah it's 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 okay and the fact that you're different is a strength um so like a a strength in diversity right is a, a strength in diversity and unity too um And then the second thing, especially to young creative people, I would say like, um, be okay with like sharing your artwork. Um, I definitely like had a sketch pad and I was so scared to show it to people. Um, And I just, I wish that um, I had been brave enough to kind of go and find, um, you know, other artists when I was a kid to to go and work with and play with and, and um, then I think that the third thing is like, when you're young, you should just try everything um, because everything is kind of free because your parents are paying for it. <laughs> or like you're in public school and there's a lot of different classes that you could take. I think that I was so kind of focused when I was um, a teenager on either like getting good grades or, um, Um, Like I did like speech and debate and that was like my one hobby, right? And then at the end of high school, I was like, oh, I could have been like taking these like ceramics classes and taking this like architecture class that was at my high school. And I kind of, looking back on it, it's like, it only gets harder to experiment and try new things. Um, And so to just make your learning like as like wide as possible because everything that you do will eventually inform your like future self and your future practice. So making, starting wide and, um, and then focusing later, I think is like a, is a really great piece of advice. Cool, I like that a lot. Uh, I mean, I, s- I said I like that a lot in this episode, not that it matters if I like it, but I feel like <laughs> it resonated a lot with what you're saying. Like the exploration is, um, in, in my eyes, like one of the highest human virtues is, is curiosity and, and only when we like foster it and like, you know, um, for all everyone watching, there's a dog who just entered the show. Um, he's very <laughs> silent. He's, he's 12. We adopt senior dogs. Senior uh, dogs, multiple. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> They're the best. <laughs> I, I love it. Um, so, on the notion of threes, if you were to name three places in the world that you'd want to exhibit art at or build a sculpture or create something that changes the way people interact, where would it be? Um, well, I'd have to say the first one would probably be off-world. Um, I would be really interested in placing artwork either like in zero gravity in space so that things can kind of tessellate and there's no up or down or direction to the artwork. <laughs> Um, so that would probably be my first choice is that, um, you know, geometry in zero gravity has a whole different dimension to it because they're, 
um, there's no limit to how big you can build things because there's no weight on anything, right? So you can create probably structures that are incredibly thin um, and like like hi hyper precise and little um, and then create them on a really big scale. So I think that would be next level. Um, and, you know, we're just waiting for that call from Elon art, Musk. Art for space. Yeah, art for space. Um, and now that I've said it, right, I hope it'll come true. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> so much cooler than sending a car or even just another satellite into space. Like, if you know, as, as the, the extraterrestrial beings are watching, they're like, when are these guys going to start sending art out? Like, everything they've done so far is really boring. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, that's what we say about our artwork is that because it kind of follows these fundamental laws of geometry and mathematics or physics that... Um, that if aliens came down to earth, like they would know what our artwork was. Like they would know why we put this 20 sided shape with like a, a five sided pattern, you know, like they would understand the interaction between those two things. Um, so we're really just trying to make art for aliens, I guess. Um, uh, and then the second place that I would choose to put artwork is, um, and I've, we've done this before is to put artwork at Burning Man because I really do think that it is the best place in the world for monumental uh, interactive sculpture. Um, it's like a blank slate, right? Like the playa is white and then the light of the desert like changes so quickly and is so different over the course of the day and then into the night and at sunset and sunrise that I really do think that there's more and more like, uh, you know, more kind of mainstream artists that are getting interested in putting artwork at Burning Man. And I just think that it's just, it's just going to be, it's going to grow and grow and grow. And it's, I think in the future, it'll be recognized as like, um, as one of the most important movements in American art is to create um, interactive uh, public sculpture. And I think that that'll be a movement to, you know, uh, a part of the way that we make like cities more interesting and more relatable and interactive is that we um, uh, are practicing by putting artwork in this, you know, more or less pretty hostile environment. And if you can do public artwork there, you can do public artwork anywhere. Um, and then the third place that I would probably want to put artwork is, um, I don't have like a, a super good sense of exactly where it is, but I would want to do um, like a monumental land art work. So there's like the work that James Terrell has done by like hollowing out the inside of, of a volcano um, that's in the in the desert in the United States or like a, the spiral jetty that's in, um, that's in Utah. So really working with like a, a wide a wide spans of art um, in in a landscape is something that I would have a dream of doing. Really curious. Well, anyone who's listening who wants to do those things, make sure you uh, you reach out. <laughs> yeah. How do people get get a hold of you? Like, how do you like uh, people collaborating or like approaching you guys? Like, I, I can only imagine you're you're super busy at the moment. But like, what what should people check out in terms of your work? Like, where can they find more? Um, definitely go to Zero Space in New York, all of these things. Yeah, yeah. So um, in New York, yeah, the Zero Space installation is super next level. We, um, you know, collaborated with this like amazing group of people who wanted to bring the next level of, of interactive and digital artwork to New York City. And it's so cool. It's in the smack dab of Manhattan, which I think is pretty much the center of the universe, probably. Um, and yeah, so definitely go check that out. We 
um, installed probably our most monumental artwork thus far in the city of Oakland. It was like a, a publicly commissioned project. Um, and we were really happy to be able to kind of represent both the oak tree of Oakland and then the California state pop, uh, flower, which is the poppy. Um, so that felt like a, a really good um, example of what placemaking feels like to me is to do, uh, you know, symbolize like the local community and invite them to a plaza where they can kind of connect with the, with the artwork. Um, and then, um, in terms of how to reach us, like I, I honestly think that Instagram is like one of the best things to come to the creative world because it really does facilitate the creation and kind of these like spiral uh, or spirals of communities, right? Is that people get um, introduced to artwork and then they find someone else who's admiring that artwork and it creates these little microcosms of communities. Um, and we've had really amazing interactions that have come out of just meeting someone on Instagram. And so, yeah, we're, we're pretty into both like sharing and putting our process and the finished artwork onto the platform, as well as like the connections that you can make mm -hmm. on it. Beautiful, I like this idea of the spiral of community. It's very interesting to see that there's, you know, um, there's this whole group of people and, and, and we're included in, the, in that, that that is totally open for this form of connection because we know that that's how the world connects, right? Um, and, and Jordan Lejewan, who co-founded Zero Space, um, was on episode number 32 of Green Planet, Blue Planet, actually mentioned Zero Space in the making. So I'll have to have him back at some point, talk about the success it is and how it's, how it's yeah, how it's working out to, to do something that's kind of like not even just crazy, but beyond crazy in, in regards to like the current cityscapes we live in. Yeah, and I think it's so great because it's in such contrast to um, some gallery artwork that like the intention of it is to just, you know, be bought and then go into someone's home. Um, there at Zero Space, it's like everything is an installation that's designed specifically for the space and for that room and like you can't buy any of it, right? And so I think that that's really important is to, people need to be amazed by something that they can't buy because it like removes you from that consumerist mindset where you're like, I'm just here to enjoy this. To experience it. Right. And, and yeah. I liked what you said way, way earlier in this conversation about um, in city spaces, this idea of having space for oneself that isn't yeah. alone in a box. Yeah. And then at the same time, when I'm experiencing art, I mean, not always, I got to say that, but there are art pieces that, I want to connect with others over the art piece or even through experiencing the art I'm, I'm actually made connect which which kind of helps me to, I mean I'm, I'm a pretty extroverted person once I leave my own home but it helps me to actually just meet someone within curiosity mm -hmm. absolutely yeah and those um, types of experiences like you can't can't replicate in any other way other than just doing it right, is the actual experience, the lived experience. And that I think is the beauty of artwork is like that, that it can facilitate these new types of relationships and um, shared experiences and shared memories where you're both stepping outside of yourself and you're both like in this amazing space of wonder and curiosity. Yelena, thank you so much. In this notion of wonder and curiosity, thank you for having been on Green Planet, Blue Planet. Uh, it was such a pleasure to interview you. Yeah, thank you for having me, that was fun.
And that's that, another episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. I hope you truly enjoyed this one and received some insights, knowledge, and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life, into your relationships, or maybe even into your business and the way you show up for the world. Because this is a movement and we're all part of it, very much so, and we're in this together. We're here to create a world of a triple bottom line, where you win, I win, and the entire planet wins. We're raising consciousness together, and you know that. That's why you're listening. That's why I love you. So make sure to share the love. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Invite a friend to listen to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And if you have an idea who else you'd like me to interview, make sure you reach out and send me a suggestion. Definitely check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com, the website to the podcast. I've created a lot of different offers for you, free content, free meditations for you to amplify your connection to self, the state of social impact in the world, and for you to connect and listen to who you could support of the people that I actually interview, because their missions are ongoing and a lot of them need more collaboration. And after more than 100 episodes now, with some of the world's leading social impact experts, I have synthesized my most inspired learnings and takeaways to create coaching and mentorship programs for you and the people around you. Let me share with you about planetary purpose coaching and mentorship experiences. If you're in a space in your life where you're ready to level up to amplify who you are, what's coming through you and what you're doing to give your gift to the world, then I would love to hear from you and I'd love for you to apply to one of my private mentorships or group mentorships because getting all of the juice, all of that life force that's in you out into the world is something you deserve and the entire world around us deserves. Also, I work with people who are entirely new to this, to the topic of planetary purpose or the topic of meditation, the topic of inside evolution and revolution. And if that's you and you're ready to step out of the ordinary and into creation, or if you know someone who is totally ready for that, make sure to check out the website or share the website. And you can also always shoot me a message on Instagram. I'll definitely read it and get back to you. Because, like, guys, this is real life. Let's be in touch and let's create this together. Last but not least, there's a few different group experiences I host, both in person and online. All of them are quantum learning environments, and I'm happy to tell you more. So simply inform yourself and stay connected, because whatever resonates with you, I'm here to support you and bring out more purpose into the world. And with that being said, wherever you are in the world, make sure to be you, show up all the way, be all in. Connect with someone today, make them smile, have yourself a stellar day. Lots of love to you and until soon.